Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Kuftet Zayin in Maseches Bavakama. And we decided we were going to start in the two dots, which are like five lines down on Kuftet Zayin of Aleph. And we are in the home stretch. My, uh, my phone's doing funny things. Hold on. Yeah, and we're in the home stretch. Uh, we're doing this for Kol Chol Yisrael, all the soldiers, Leil Nishmas, Chaim Zabmelinowitz. And our friend Maoz Morel, Hashem Yikom Dama. Okay, the last week. Here we go. What happened? The Mishnah Kuf Tesvav yesterday on the bottom of Amar Aleph had a fascinating case. Barry is coming. We quote, quoted this case on Chavzayin, if you remember, Andrew. Daf <laughs> Chavzayin, we already quoted this in the context of what is a barrel and why and what is a, pit, a pitcher. One comes with a barrel of wine, and the other one comes with like a pitcher of, of honey. Which would you say is more valuable? Today, probably the wine. In those days, it was the honey, so that can be a little bit confusing. That is why Barry, who we all know is super magnanimous, he, uh, what does he do? Well, he sees that Andrew's honey jar is cracked. So he pours out all of his wine from his barrel, and he retrieves and captures Andrew's honey in his barrel. Now that is truly magnanimous, Barry. And the question that Mishnah discusses is a fascinating question. Does Andrew, who is very grateful to Barry as he always is, does Andrew have to pay Barry for this service? Says the Mishnah. He pays him for the service, yes. He pays him for the use of the barrel. He pays him for whatever he would pay to have the barrel used and for all the trouble that Barry went through. But he does not, amazingly, have to pay for the wine that Barry, out of the goodness of his heart, spilled out from his own barrel. He does not have to reimburse Barry for that wine. It's unbelievable. You'd say, well, we made it. That's part of the service. And Barry, out of the goodness of his heart, did that on Andrew's behalf. So don't, don't you think it would be fair for Andrew to pay Barry for the wine? So the answer is, uh, I'm sure that Andrew would pay Barry for the wine. That's not the question. Andrew is going to pay Barry for the wine, but the question isn't whether he's going to do it. The question is, does he have to? Is he obligated to do so? And the answer is, if Barry and Andrew didn't stipulate it beforehand, then Andrew didn't ask for that. He didn't ask for Barry to to spill out all his wine, and therefore it's not Andrew's responsibility. Now, if Barry said to Andrew, listen, Barry, uh, listen, Andrew, here's the deal. I'm going to spill out my wine and capture your much more valuable honey. Is that okay? And, and, and I'm going to ask you to pay for the wine, but I get to save your honey. And Andrew agrees, then yes. Then Andrew is indeed obligated to pay Barry for the wine that he spilled. But in the absence of any such stipulation... The, it, there's no assumption that Andrew would agree to pay for the wine, and therefore Barry is doing it purely out of his own altruistic intentions. And while, again, the service is something that Andrew's going to pay for. So you see something interesting here, that in the, in the world of the unspoken business agreement, right, Andrew, when he speaks at Kosher Money Podcast, always makes sure that we, uh, that we have everything in writing, right? Easier to have the contract and everything in writing and set out uh, early so that there's no misunderstanding later. So that's what Andrews always makes sure in every deal he does. However, when in the absence of such a discussion, when everyone's just being casual and buddy-buddy, what then becomes the actual legal right? So says the Mishnah, again, 
The legal right is if you make a stipulation, then of course the legal right would be for Barry to ask Andrew to reimburse him for the loss of the wine. But in the absence of such stipulation, nobody asked Barry to do that. He did that out of the goodness of his heart. He like almost donated it to the, to the greater cause. But indeed, Andrew does have to pay, right? So, so you see, in the absence of an agreement, he does have to pay for the service, but he doesn't have to pay for the loss that uh, Barry had of the money because of the wine, because that was never discussed. So uh, the structure of the mission is it has that case by wine. It also has that case by a donkey, which we'll see soon, right? Where Barry has a $100 donkey and Andrew has a $200 donkey. And both of them now look like they're about to drown in the river, let's say. And Barry lets his donkey kind of get swept away in an effort to save Andrew's donkey. So what happens? So Andrew's $200 donkey is much more valuable. And again, the halacha is, how much would Andrew pay for a dude to come and help him save his donkey? That's how much Andrew has to pay Barry, even though that was never discussed. But unless they stipulated otherwise, he does not have to pay Barry for the loss of his $100 donkey. That's the fascinating uh, Mishnah that we were discussing. So now when we get to Kuftat Zion, we ask the question five lines down like this, Amai. The question here of Amai is, um, is the opposite question. It's in the case where Barry does stipulate with Andrew that I'll, I'll do this for you. I'll save your honey, but you pay me for the wine. The question the Gemara wants to know is, why even when it's stipulated, does Andrew have to pay for the wine? We say, what do you mean? They made an agreement, you may ask, right? They made an agreement, and Barry said, if you reimburse me for the wine, I'll save your honey, and Andrew agreed. Why would you not have to pay? Why would Andrew not have to pay for the wine even in that case? Says the Gemara, Maybe Barry could tell Andrew, listen, it was the heat of the moment. I was joking. means I was kidding. Just joking. Or it means, I mean, basically that I was frantic. So I said it, right, out of desperation. So what would happen is, would be, right, uh, I never, right, I, that I never meant to pay you for the wine, in other words, right? So Andrew says to Barry, just to get the case straight, that when I agreed to pay you back for your wine when you saved my honey, I was kidding. I was not being honest. I was just saying it because I was desperate to save my honey. And that's why I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you for your wine. But I was kidding with you. Says the Gemara, is that, is that really true? Where do we have that case? Says the Gemara, Milo Tanya, we taught the following in the Brisa. We'll see this case may be similar, maybe different. Somebody is escaping from jail. Well, in order to escape this jail, you got to use the ferry, right? It's Alcatraz. You been to Alcatraz, Barry? You got, it's, a, it's in the middle of the body of water there off the coast of San Francisco. I know Andrew's been there. So it's very hard to swim off. Very few people have managed to do it. But here, he's got a guy at the shore, okay? And then he's looking to pay the guy. And he got, he's got to get out of there. So what does he say? I'm low. So the, right, the convict escaping says to the guy with the boat, told dinar vavireni, I'll give you a million dollars. A dinar, let's say, in, in this case, is an enormous amount, right? That's not 
it's a king's ransom for, for a boat ride, that's for sure. So let's take this entire dinar and take me across the river. So, and then he takes him to bed. Now that he's a free man, he takes the guy to Bezdin because he only gives him like a pruta, right? Whatever. He gives him a much smaller amount. And the ferry guy says, wait a minute. I don't understand. He told me that he was going to give me this amount. That's why I took him across the river. I don't want to take this convict. And so Bezdin says, what? No, he only has to pay a regular fare, the convict, to the ferryman. Why? Because we see that there is a concept. This is, right, like I said, this is the converse. We were, we, the Mishnah starts with what is the presumed financial agreement in the absence of a discussion. Now we're saying a different thing, that there's also a presumed financial agree- agreement even in the presence of a discussion, that even though they talked about it, maybe they didn't really mean it because of the circumstances. So just like when a convict leaves, right, Alcatraz, and he says, I'll pay you a million dollars, and then after he ferries, he says, here, here's the regular fare, and we say that he doesn't owe more than the regular fare because he could say, I was just in the heat of the moment, you know, joking. I wasn't telling you an honest thing. I was just anxious to get out of there. And we, be- and we say that that's okay. When he- that that's a reason to not have to owe him more money. It's amazing. Somehow, you understand? Like the subtle sort of lumbus here is that we take the intention of the financial transaction sometimes even more seriously than the actual explicit words that we said in the moment. It's, uh, it's a funny thing, right? We, 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 take the, we take the fair intended financial transaction and that carries the day even over what, what they discussed in the case where what was discussed was, you know, uh, unusual circumstances. It's amazing. Oh, the Pidyon Shvuim, you mean? Pidyon Shvuim or Har Shavas Aveda. Right, so Barry's pointing out that this may not be the case, like in the boardroom of business, that the, that the art school notes are pointing out that in the case of a mitzvah, so in the case of Barry being altruistic with Andrew, it's considered, and we've already seen that this is what it's considered, it's a fascinating application of Hashavas Aveda, right? In other words, Andrew didn't really technically, Aveda doesn't always mean that you don't know where it is, right? Uh, Andrew would have lost it, and, and so Barry is getting the schar of what? The mitzvah of retrieving the honey for, for Andrew. And so he'd be doing that mitzvah anyway. So when you're doing it the mitzvah, so then you don't necessarily, right? So part of doing the mitzvah sometimes is, this is like a Goranowitz Muslim moment, is the sacrifice. Sometimes it's financial sacrifice. Sometimes it's sacrifice of the effort, right? And similarly in Pidyon Shvuim, you have a fairy guy. He's doing a mitzvah in this particular case of, right, freeing, uh, you know, Rabashkin, whatever, from his situation. And so for that mitzvah, right, there's an implied sacrifice. And it is for that reason that the compensation would be for the effort, but not necessarily for the sacrifice. That's fascinating. Okay, thank you, Barry. Okay, so is there a difference with the case? It says, Right, so what the Gemara is pointing out, there's a difference between the two cases in terms of the halacha. In the case of the convict, we say that the convict doesn't have to pay more than the regular fare, even if it's been discussed. Whereas in the case of Barry and Andrew and the oil and the honey, when they do discuss the financial agreement, so Barry, so 
Andrew does have to compensate Barry for the wine. So why is that so? Why don't we treat the cases the same? Says the Gemara, Halo Dami Seifa. That our Mishnah is more like the the Seifa. What does the Seifa say? The Seifa says, Bim Amar told Right, there is a Seifa even to the case of the convict. What's the Seifa? Where the convict says, take this dinar as your fee and take me across the river. So now, right, he's, he's showing him a dinar and he says, here it is. So in that case, says the Seifa, in that case, you do have to give him the full dinar. And now the Gemara wants to analyze it. Wait a minute. What's the difference between the ratio of the Seifa in that case of the convict? Maishna ratio, Maishna Seifa. Right, well, why is it that when he shows him the dinar, he does have to pay it to him? And when he doesn't show it to him, he does not. Says the Gemara, Amar Rami Barchama, there's our guy. He gives us the Svar. Because in the second case, what happened was not that he showed him the dinar, but that the ferryman is also a, what, fisherman. Oh, so the fisherman happens to be in a position to save the guy in Alcatraz because he's already in a boat all over there. But there is an opportunity cost. What's the opportunity cost? That not only, I mean, he does get the mitzvah, does the fisherman, but he loses that on a full days of work. And so therefore the fisherman is telling the escaped prisoner, you caused me a full day's work, a dinar's worth of, of loss, right, for the time that I'm spending taking you across to the shore instead of fishing. Oh, so that is indeed very much like our case with the with the honey and the, right, bless you, with the honey and the wine, right? Because in the case of the honey and the, and the wine, Barry's losing the wine to save the honey. And for that, if he does indeed, again, if only if he discusses it with Andrew beforehand, he's entitled compensation for his loss. So you see, it's like isolating all the different factors. In the absence of any loss on the fisherman's behalf, so then the discussion in itself about the dinar is not enough for the fisherman to lose him, to, to give him a dinar because indeed it's going to, and because in that case, indeed, it's, we're going to say it was the heat of the moment and it wasn't actually intended. But when you see the wine spilling or when the fisherman says, I'm losing income here, so, and on top of that, you need both factors, right? You have to have, see the loss of income in front of your eyes and have a discussion about it. So then already you're on the hook, right? If it's just the discussion, then not. And if it's just the loss without the discussion, then also not, right? The loss, it, you see it and you don't even talk about it, so then it, it's also not. But if you, you see a loss of income or a loss of wine and you have a discussion about it, it is in that case where you'd have to be high, have to compensate for that loss. Fine. Now, two dots in the middle page. Right? As we discussed, there's also a case of Andrew's very expensive $200 donkey and, and, and Barry's cheap $100 donkey. And the halacha is the same, that Barry does not get compensated for his donkey unless he actually right, stipulates. So says the Gemara, why do you need both cases? You need both cases of the wine and the honey and the donkey. The yesh mean kamaisa, because if we only learn the case of the wine and the honey, hasam hu dechi only in that case, you would say that, that Andrew has to give Barry the value of all that he lost. Because in that case, it actually requires Barry to pour out all the wine with his own bare hands and to cause himself that loss. 
And therefore, it would require a stipulation of, of reimbursement in order to get the money, right? Because there's just an extra step that Barry has to do, right? It's, and Barry wouldn't necessarily want to do it unless they had a conversation beforehand about getting, right, about getting compensated, right? So that's a very different case, right? The first case, again, is one where Barry has a conversation with Andrew and he willingly pours out his own wine in order to save Andrew's honey. So it would make sense in that case that if they had a conversation about Barry getting reimbursed, that there he would have to get reimbursed. The second case, however, is totally different. Both donkeys are getting swept out to sea. So it's not like the conversation matters. Barry's losing his donkey anyway, right? So there, maybe Barry would have to not be reimbursed for the loss of the donkey, even if they had a conversation, right? Now, granted, Barry could be spending time trying to save his cheaper donkey, but if he did, but if but but the the bottom line is that it requires less right active active be a dime right loss on Barry's behalf uh, behalf. In other words, in the case of the honey and the and the wine, Barry's willingly pouring it out. He didn't even have to have the conversation in the first place. So in order to so in that case, we're going to be more likely to, to compensate him in the, in the case where there's a conversation. So that's why we have to have the case of the donkey to show that what? That he received, that, that he receives compensation for his donkey, right? If they have a conversation, even if the donkey is getting swept away to sea um, without Barry having to do anything. That's why you have the case of the donkey. But if we only have the case of the donkey, then the converse would be true, right? Then we would focus on the first part of the case, the stomach case, where you don't have a stipulation. We say, oh, the reason why Barry doesn't get compensated for his donkey when they don't have the conversation, right, is because Mishum Demi Mela, because the donkey is being swept into sea by itself anyways. Right? So we needed to have the first case to teach you, again, the same halacha, but to teach you that the halacha that you might have thought that if Barry's actually pouring out the wine, in order to save Andrew's honey, then maybe a conversation would not be required in order for Barry to be compensated. It teaches you the Mishnah. The first case also, right? We would say, You might have thought that in the case of the wine, that Barry would actually need that, that even if he didn't have a conversation with Andrew, that Andrew would compensate him because actually Andrew and Barry are staring at each other in this wild moment where, where the, there was the fracture in Andrew's honeypot, and Andrew sees Barry pouring out his wine, right, actively and volunteering that. So you would think that there doesn't need to even be a conversation, that even in lack of a conversation, Andrew would have to compensate Barry, says the Gemara Tzricha, that the halacha is that we're learning, that even though in the case of the honey and the wine, Barry is doing so voluntarily and actively with his hands. And in the case of the donkey, Barry's donkey is being swept out to sea, the halacha in both cases would be exactly the same. That's the Kiddush. That even in the case of the honey and the wine, when there is no conversation, Andrew does not have to compensate Barry for the wine. And even in the case of the donkeys, that when there is a conversation, even though the donkey is being swept away anyway, Andrew does have to compensate. Again, it depends on whether they have the conversation or not, not on whether it's happening be a dime or not. That is not a factor, right, in the compensation um, discussion of, of Barry. The only thing that's a factor in those cases is 
whether it was discussed beforehand or not, irrespective of how active Barry has to be in, in uh, giving up his own assets in order to save Andrews. Amazing. Okay, so now five lines up from the wide. Rav Khan wants to ask the following question, a fascinating, fascinating question along these lines. Yard Lahatzil, okay. So again, Barry is making a stipulation and he goes down with Andrew and he says, you're going to pay me back for my, don- for my cheap donkey. I'm going to save you your expensive donkey. Okay, so he goes down to save it. Then afterwards, a fascinating thing happens. And this would happen to Barry because he's a good person and he deserves this. He sees, he saves Andrew's donkey. And all of a sudden, coming up on the other side of the river, here comes galloping, right, his, uh, Barry's 50-cent donkey. He's alive. Mahu. What will be the halacha? So what's the question? What, what do you mean, what will be the halacha? The question is, they made a stipulation, and Andrew agreed to pay Barry for his donkey. And the question is, a fascinating question, Barry's donkey's alive. So why would Andrew have to compensate him for his donkey? There's nothing to compensate for. The donkey's gone fine. He's doing great. So the issue is like this. You have to break it down into a halachic component. Barry was mafkir, his donkey. Barry gave up on his donkey. He was being swept to sea. And so the question is, halachically, freeze frame that moment. Now Andrew owes Barry for the donkey because this is the case where they did make the stipulation, right? So now uh, Andrew owes Barry for his donkey. So Barry takes the money. When his donkey comes back, Barry is reclaiming his hefkir donkey afterwards. In other words, that donkey no longer belonged to Barry, in a sense, because he was mafkirit, swept out to sea. Donkey miraculously comes galloping back. He just reacquires the donkey uh, from Hefker, right? So why? So that's the question. Can Andrew say, hey, your donkey came back, so why, why would I reimburse you? So Amalei, Rav said, that it sounds like he's entitled for to the full payment, that um, Barry gets to keep the money and his donkey too. Because Hashem decided, it was, it was divine intervention, and Hashem decided to give him back his donkey, but it has nothing to do with his arrangement with Andrew. Wow. And there was an incident uh, to that effect. One time Rav Safar was traveling with a caravan, and Lavino Ahu Ari. And a fascinating thing, Rashi says, uh, five lines up at the bottom is Chaberi Mahem Ari. There was a lion that was accompanying them, kind of like along for the ride. First, when it was first when the lion arrived, they were terrified. Then they see this lion is like a holy lion. He's watching us through. Right, he's this lion is protecting all their animals and protecting them from bandits. So it's a, it was kind of a good thing. But they wanted to keep this line happy. So So they made an arrangement amongst the caravan with, right, with Rav Safra also included in the caravan that we're going to feed this lion. We want to keep this lion happy. He's, he, he's worth it, this lion. He's saving us. We're going to be guaranteed a safe trip, safe passage. So every day they fed him one of their donkeys <laughs> in order to keep the lion satiated. Okay. So they're taking a rotation and they're all kind of contributing to this, to this line, to the payment of this line. So Kimata Zamnader of Safra, when it came of Safra's turn to donate his donkey to the lion, Chamra, sure enough, he gave the lion, he says, here, here you go, donkey, here you go, lion, go do your thing. Right? And the lion didn't eat the donkey. 
Kadam Reb Safar Vazachabe. So Reb Safar immediately hurried and reacquired the Hefker donkey, right? Because by the time you give it to the lion, it's Hefker. And now he reacquired it, right? He doesn't owe them the donkey. And we said that that's okay. Wow. So since he was, uh, so isn't it the same thing as Barry, right? Where he had, was Mafkir, his donkey on Andrew's behalf. And then sure enough, the donkey comes bar- uh, galloping back. So I'm like, wait, I want to ask a question about that story. Why did Safar even have to reacquire the donkey? Now he, I can understand that he was Mafkir the donkey, but still, when he abandoned it, right, he did so just for the lion to eat it, as the Rashi says, right, that, that the idea is, right, Idaita, uh, wait, wait, uh, yeah, no, so I don't see the Rashi here. It says, Adaita, the Afkare, Adaita the Ari Afkare, right, the point here was there, that he was giving it just for the sake of the lion. Adaita the Chule Amalo Afkare. But he didn't abandon it, like abandon it. In other words, there's hefker and there's hefker. You could be mafkir something for, in general, right? And therefore, like first come, first serve. The next person in the world that gets this thing, right? For, like whoever is going to come and get it is going to acquire it. But that's not this. The case of the lion, Rav Safar was only being mafkir it for the lion. He was being mafkir as donkey for the lion to eat it. He wasn't actually giving it out to the whole world, and therefore, he shouldn't even have to reacquire it. Oh, it's not Rashi, I'm sorry, it's Tosfos. Adaita the Ari Afkar, you see Tosfos on the bottom? So look at the very bottom line on the Tosfos. You know, when you're being mafkarit, just for the lion, maybe the lion is occasionally satiated and doesn't want to eat the donkey. There's the Tosfos, see that last line? So in other words, well, that's, that's the point that the Gemara is making. The point the Gemara is making is that it's a very different kind of hefker. It's not a hefker for the whole world. It's a hefker just like everyone agreed, we're going to give the lion a chance to eat our donkey. In this case, it was a shtickel Madagascar, and, and the lion was uh, Ben Stiller. I'm getting too crazy with this. And the point is that he is uh, not going to eat right the... Um, He's not going to eat the donkey, and therefore you just get the donkey back. You don't have to reacquire it. So why did Rav Safra have to reacquire it? So Amalei, Sarvacha said, Rav Safra leRavcha de Milsa who true ainachinami as we say. He did not have to really reacquire it, but he made a scene out of reacquiring it leRavcha de Milsa. That's the last Rashi. Shaloya ira bedaver. There you go. That there, nobody should argue on this, right? Because after the fact, when he took it back, you don't know that everybody in the caravan is a Tamachacham. He didn't want to have any questions. So he made a point of reacquiring it officially. But really, he didn't have to. It's true. Now, two lines up from the bottom. Okay, let's ask more questions. It's fascinating, isn't it, Barry? We're having a good start to our week here. All right. So now Barry is abandoning his donkey in order to save... Andrew's donkey, very nice. But unfortunately, they did not manage to save Andrew's donkey either. So now they lost both, right? Barry gave it his all. He gave up his donkey. And now the question is, the mission was not accomplished. So in the absence of the mission accomplished, does Andrew still owe Barry the donkey for trying? That's a good question. Right? So now, Andrew, you lost your donkey. Do you also have to pay Barry for trying to save your donkey, giving up on his own. Says the Gemara, Amr Lo, Rabbi said to Rav, 
Kedusha Ela, first of all. It's a good question. Nice. And the answer is that he only gets, the, uh, Barry only gets the fee for trying and the effort and the time, but not for the donkey that he abandoned. Despite the fact that they discussed it ahead of time, that was only in the case that he was managing to save it. So that's the halacha. So now the Gemara says, Eisve. I don't know. That seems to be connected to uh, contradicting the following b'risa. What's the b'risa? Hasocher sapo. Let's say Andrew hires a worker as we turn to Kufta Zion on base. Lahavi kruvadur maskinin lecholen. And Andrew knows that there's a sick person down somewhere in some other town and he hires a guy to go bring cabbage and prunes to them to heal them. And when the messenger gets to the sick person, he finds that the sick person doesn't need this remedy anymore. Either they passed away, or in the best case scenario, they're so healed that they don't need this remedy anymore. So there's no purpose in this message anymore. Okay, it doesn't need the food. What's the halacha? Well, there's an agreed upon fee for the delivery of the medicinal foods. And even though the medicinal foods were not necessary, then Andrew still has to pay them. So what? The Gemara is implying that that would be the same as Barry, as Andrew paying Barry for his services of trying to save his donkey. Because after all, even the mission was not accomplished, you get paid for your effort. You don't get paid necessarily for the results. Says the Gemara. Those two prices, right? So in the case of the medicine, we say that Andrew does have to pay. In the case of the donkey, Andrew does not have to compensate Barry for the loss of his donkey. Says the Gemara, are those cases even similar at all? Amr Lai, Rabbi says, me dummy. Are those cases comparable? In the case of the food delivery, that was an Uber Eats or whatever. That was the point of the, of the uh, right, um, the point of Andrew appointing the shliach was a food delivery. So when the food gets to the door, mission accomplished. That was the point of the mission. In the case of the saving of the donkey, the mission wasn't to try to save the donkey. The mission was to save the donkey. So it's, it's, sim, it's simple as that. Did you accomplish your mission or did you not? The mission when Andrew sent the food was not to heal the sick. I mean, that was his intent, but that wasn't the shliach's job. The shliach's job was to bring the food, right? As opposed to when Barry's saving him, his job wasn't to try. That, his job was to accomplish the saving of the donkey. And is therefore, that's why the halachas are different. When Barry fails to save the donkey, Andrew doesn't have to pay him for the loss of his donkey. When Barry, let's say, uh, succeeds in giving over the food to the, pati- the patient, then he has accomplished it whether the patient needed it or not. Okay, so now two li- uh, four lines down, two dots. Toner Uh Shayar, let's go back to the caravan. So you have a caravan in the desert. A troop comes and they're, they're ready to kill and destroy everything. But the Jews in the caravan get together. They say, we're going we're gonna to get together, pool together our money and ransom, give them money instead to go away. And it works. They get persuaded and they run away and everyone's saved. Now you have to calculate how much does everybody in the, in the caravan write, oh, into the pot. They say, So if it's just money, right, the bandits are going to go get money. So then, you know, some guys are carrying 20 bucks. Some guys have diamonds worth $200,000. So, you know, they shouldn't all have to pay in the same amount. It should be prorated by the amount of money that they're carrying, right? Because each one was saved 
based on the money that they were carrying, right? That's what was saved, okay? Right, so it wouldn't be fair. So let's say, right, again, if, if let's say you have three people, right? So one has $200,000 and the other two guys have $50,000. Would it make sense, uh, right? So they, together they have 21, uh, so $210,000, right? So they say, you know, let's pay in whatever, $21,000, right, 10% to the guy. And the guy is willing to go away for $21,000. Would it make sense for each one of them to pay $7,000? Uh, not necessarily, because for one guy, it's like 3% of, his, of what he's carrying. And for the other guys, it's like, right, it's almost like a fifth of what they're carrying. So that's not fair. So says the Gemara, that's the case of money. So for, for that reason, you do it prorated to how much money you're carrying. However, for but if they hired a guide, when you're hiring a guide to show them through the wilderness, then they have to do it, it's a fascinating idea, once you have a guide and you're paying him, then you're doing it based on both. It's a fascinating thing. Rashi explains that it's half and half. That's a, that's a uh, well, Rashi didn't say it over here. It says, I saw that Oh, I saw that in the note. We calculate half the fee. They're quoting the rush here. It gets very halachic. Aflafinafashus means that you do half and half. That's what it says over here. You calculate half the guide's fee according to the number of people in the caravan and the other half prorated to how much money they're carrying. Okay, it's a fascinating little cheshbon. Now, as we'll see in the Gemara, it's not like, it's, it, it, may, it may appear in, you know, the Sma and some areas of Shulchan Aruch, but really that all, already is going to depend on, on Right, you're not going to find sources in the Torah for this. This is, has to do with like the what is the usual and customary, right? So it says the Gemara. You know, we're not going to deviate from what typically these donkey drivers are doing, and that's the last wide line at the top in Rashi. Sometimes you do it according to the prorate to the money. Sometimes you do it according to the number of people there. Whatever the minog is, usual, customary, that's what we're going to assume you're going to have to pay. So, right, these things could take on many forms, but we understand conceptually what the idea is. That sometimes you do it based on the money because that's the issue, and sometimes you do it based on the number of people. Okay. Now, Roshay Nachamarin continues the Gemara. They're allowed to stipulate amongst themselves that whoever's going to lose a donkey, they're going to provide another donkey for him, okay? Um, and anybody who's part of that agreement is going to be held accountable to that. And however, if one of them loses a donkey because they're negligent, they're not going to provide him for another one. So even though they made this agreement, that doesn't mean that everybody could be negligent with their donkey. You have to take care of your own, watch your donkey. However, if it was not negligent, then they do have to provide him with another one as stipulated. But if they say, you know what? Forget about the donkey. Thank you very much. I appreciate that you're trying to get me your own donkey. I'll take it in cash and I'll buy my own donkey. Ain't shown low. No, you don't give him money because you don't know. Maybe he'll just keep the money and buy cigarettes. You give him a donkey. That's the agreement. So the Gemara says, Pshita. Of course that's true. Why, why would the Bryce have to teach us that? We're talking about a donkey. We're not talking about cash. So the Gemara, Lo. Yeah, no, we need to teach you because maybe the guy has another donkey. No, to say, you might have said that since he's already by guarding that donkey, we don't have to buy him a second donkey. We'll just give him the money. Come on, shiny. No, you have to, the, the Bryce is teaching you that guarding 
with two donkeys is better than one. It's better to have a greater commitment that comes with having multiple animals, and therefore, even in the case where he already has a donkey, you give him another donkey, not cash. Very good. So that's two dots, 15 lines down. Turn our bonus. Finish. There is a ship at sea. And there's a big gale, a wind, and it's about to sink the ship. This is fascinating cases, right? These cases that you don't expect, right? This is outside of the kosher money boardrooms, and now in the real world, everybody's throwing their stuff overboard in order to lighten the load. So who has to compensate who for throwing over all this stuff? It's a fascinating question. You get to shore safely, Baruch Hashem, but now we have to like divide the money and figure out. So you could say, do it according to what? Mas'ui. Weight. Not by value, but weight. Wow. Right? So if you had very heavy bags of, of worthless stuff, you're going to get more compensated than the guy who threw over his diamonds overboard. So that's a fascinating thing, right? Because after all, you have to do, uh, or, or the case might be iron and gold, right? So it's, it's unbelievable that you're paying them based on the, on the weight because the weight was what saved them and therefore you do prorate based, based on that. But still, even still, this is again, this is not halacha psuka, this is not halacha moshim sinai from the Torah. This is really going to be what's fair and usual and customary and therefore says the Gemara, now, whatever the minig is over there in the usual practice of the sailors, that's what you do, okay? Says the Gemara, And when you have a ship convoy, like they used to have with the, what was it, the Alta, the Pinta Maria, and the, the three boats of uh, Columbus? Pinta and the Alta Maria? Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Thank you there, Andrew. So you had a convoy of ships. 1492, right, 1492, you get expelled from Spain, but you discover America, so you can build Lakewood, right? Because it's always going to be the continuation of Tyra. Anyway. So let's say the, the, the Santa Maria goes down. So you have to provide him another ship. Okay? And everybody who's party to that agreement has to agree. Now again, if the captain of the Santa Maria was fooling around and negligent, so then we're not going to give him another one. However, if he was responsible, right, you give him another ship. But, and again, it, even if he took good care of his boat, but he went off to the Bermuda Triangle where he knew the ship was never coming back, and that's where he lost the ship, then for that, you don't get compensated because that was a foolish thing to do. So all this makes obvious sense. You don't even have to learn this. Pshita. So the Gemara loves. We have to learn why. Because, you know, during Nisan, right, the ships are usually one rope length from a riverbank because everything's melting off the snow caps. And so it's going to be deep there. During Tishrei, it's a little drier, so you have to go two deep lengths. And what did this guy do? Because it'll be Yom Nisan Lamokim Tishrei. Right? He went during Nisan, where you, you could typically, right, Lamokim Tishrei, to the place of Tishrei, right, where, where there's less water. So Mo'odetema, Davshe Nakit Vazil. You might have said, that that's not negligence because all he's doing is following a water line that was considered normal, but not for this month. Kamash Milan, no, of course, you can't. That's negligence. You can't go during Nisan to the Tishrei place. That's how you're going to get the boat stuck, and for that, we don't compensate you. 
This time the caravan's traveling in the desert, and sure enough, they get plundered. But one of the members rises up from the caravan, and he rescues, goes back and rescues everything. Unbelievable. He brings it back to the, to the people. Wow. He rescued it for everyone, and everyone, he puts it back in the, the emsa, in the middle, and everyone gets their own stuff back. That's beautiful. What if the guy says, What if he says, hey, guys, no, 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 no. This, I know this was your stuff, but I didn't put my neck on the line and fight this bandits to give you back your stuff. I did it because I wanted to take the money for myself. The halacha is, they can't take it from him. I mean, they weren't running after these bandits to get the money. So it's like Hefker. This should be his. Says Gemara, well, what's the case? If it's a case where it was easy enough to go get the property, it was, they just put it in a warehouse. All you had to do was go get it. So then even in the second case where he says that I did it just for myself, we say, oh, knock it off with saying you did it just for yourself. All you did was go to the warehouse. We could have gone to the warehouse ourselves, and therefore they, he, they do reclaim their own individual possessions. But it was a real thing where you had to go through a dragon and kill like 10 uh, soldiers, so then that's already a different thing. Then the case is that even if he doesn't say anything, then he gets to keep everything. So in other words, what the Gemara is asking, it shouldn't be dependent on what the guy says, I did it for myself or I did it for you. It should be dependent on the circumstances. If it's a circumstance where nobody would go in to retrieve it, so then of course he gets to keep it. If it's a circumstance where anybody could just go to the warehouse and get it, then of course he doesn't get to keep it. So the Gemara, this is a real conundrum. We need a real, a real sharp Tamachacham to answer. Amma Rami Barchama, there he is. Now we're talking about a case where they're partners in the stolen property. So they're all partners in the same stuff. So in that case is a fascinating idea that a partner can dissolve, right, his partnership without consent. That halacha becomes applicable here because then it depends on whether he says he dissolved the partnership, right? Amar palig. If he says I dissolved the partnership, so then, right, um, then then he gets to keep it, right? Lo amar lo palig, right? But if he didn't say anything. Right, so then he has not divided the a- assets, and therefore he has to share it with his partners. Right, in other words, if it's assumed, Polygir means that he dissociated from his partners. It's assumed that he didn't associate, dissociate, which means that if they're all partners, one guy goes and gets it. He's doing it on behalf of the partnership. However, if he actually actively says, by the way, I dissolved the partnership, so then of course it's assumed that he does keep it. That's the difference. That's one. That's one of three possible explanations. Second explanation is Rava. His Chavrusa says, We're talking about that the worker hired by all the members of the caravan is going to rescue it. And this has to do with Rav. That just like a, well, not just like, but it's true that a partner can dissolve the partnership. A worker can also quit in the middle of the day. So this guy quit. He was like, I was your worker, but guess what? When I saw the fortune, I quit, and I decided to take it for myself. If he did not withdraw, then it's like he's, he's owned by the Balabais, and he does have to bring it. But if he does withdraw, then he becomes his own dude, right? But for a different reason, right? In other words, it's not because he was never regarded in his, uh, as the worker, but the chsev, it says in the Pesach, it is because of the fact that he's allowed to discontinue his, his service, his servitude, that he has the rights 
right, to withdraw his services and therefore keep the money. And the third, final, again, it's very difficult. So if he reveals his intention, then yes, then he gets to keep it for himself. But if he did not reveal his intention to keep the goods, then he has to do it because after all, it has to do, according to Rav Ashi, with his intent that in the case where it's difficult to go get it, then if you reveal your intention, that matters, right? But if you don't reveal your intention, then the default is that he's rescuing it for everyone. <coughs> Since it's a case where the owners can rescue the property, albeit with difficulty, we, ask to, we have to assume that they had no yeush because they could have gone and done it themselves. And therefore, it is for that reason, because they didn't do it because of the fact that he revealed the intention, he's getting it for them. It is for that reason that he has to give it to them unless he states otherwise. So Bezat Hashem tomorrow will resume with the Mishnah on the bottom of Kuftet Zayin Amud Bez.